Thanks for tuning in to our Cypress Church podcast. To learn more about our church, visit our website at cypresschurch.net and join us for our Sunday morning services at 9 and 11 a.m. Subscribe on iTunes for more. fun song. Uh, good morning and, and welcome this morning uh, online too. Welcome to you. Uh, we, our online community continues to grow. My name is Mike, one of the pastors here. And yes, music and song add much to life. Every person, every people group, every generation uh, has their music. And as we talked last week, uh, each uh, music does teach and instruct, but music can also inspire it motivates us, it moves us, it soothes us, it grooves us. Music and song can bring on joy, open the deep uh, waters of the soul, and really send us to a happy place. So yes, each culture, each generation, each person uh, seems to have their set of songs, their mixtape, their playlist. I know that when I was in high school, uh, just before the game, we were in the varsity locker room, and this song would come on. Now just imagine a bunch of guys in the locker room, they're beating on the lockers. And right then we grabbed our towels, walked out in our Speedos to the uh, water polo game. Don't, don't imagine that too much. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was different. We, we get all excited, and the football players would look at us going, what? You know, you'd hang your little, you know, <laughs> helmet up in front of the th- – they've got all these pads and stuff like that. We actually did one time because uh, they, they – uh, respect was important. And uh, so we said what we'll do is we'll play you flag football, and you play us uh, water polo, and then let's see what happens. So we, first of all, played them in uh, flag football. Uh, we actually won. We could outrun them uh, just in stamina-wise. Then we threw them in the pool, and they about drowned. And after that, total respect. But uh, I played water polo and swam in high school. But it was fun. But not only that, you know, in high school, we would head down to the beach in the summertime, and a lot of times playing on our cassette player was this song. Let's go surfing now, everybody's learning how. Come on a safari with me. Come on a safari with me. Early in the morning we'll be starting out. Yeah. The honeys will be coming along. Driving in my 67 Mustang with a couple boards in the back. We'd head down to the beach and just have an incredible time. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, That song's a lot older than I am, obviously. But you know, um, they were fun songs uh, growing up. and, And they added something to the, to the moment of life. You see, music does that, uh, where it energizes, it, 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 it pumps us up, it moves us and inspires us. 
Dance music lifts the spirit. It infuses energy and excitement. <laughs> Let me know what that's from, right? As you're leaving Fantasmic at Disney. God builds us that way. He built us that way to, to, to have music as part of our life. And uh, he actually gave us his own mixtape of songs, his, uh, his uh, movement of songs, his playlist, right smack in the middle of the Bible. It's called the Bible Book of Psalms, a book of prayers and expressions of praise and trust and thanksgiving to God, songs even of protest and, and songs of pleas of help, songs of a resolve of obedience. You see, the Psalms do teach. Uh, they train, they, they give words to feelings and motivate and inspire. And we can know God more and how he wants us to live through this wonderful book of songs, the book of Psalms. Now, this, this summer we're going through, a, we called it a mixtape, uh, because it's, it's, it's actually each preacher who's going to be sharing this summer, and we'll have a lot of them come up and share, are going to share their, their mixtape, their, their psalm that has meaning to them in their own life. And it's going to be exciting as we walk through this one. One uh, my, uh, of mine uh, may be no mystery to some of you. I think I quote from it almost every time I preach or teach. But also in this, it gives five life-changing truths of God, all revealed in Psalm 139. And so I'd like for us to look at that psalm. But before we do, if you wouldn't mind just standing up for a moment, uh, set aside your Bibles and notebooks for a second, and, and, uh, and let me just pray and ask God to do something incredible in our hearts. Lord, we thank you uh, for this. You bless us with music. And some of us are more musically inclined, and some of us just love and joy, uh, can play not an instrument but the stereo, and yet it's fun. Uh, music does do so much to encourage us and inspire us. And Lord, we want this song this morning to do that. Lord, as we delve into this, that you had King David of the Bible pen, Lord, may we get the meaning of this and may it inspire us, uh, that fact that you know us well. And so bless this time. Use this moment, Lord, in our own lives. And Holy Spirit, do your work in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat and I encourage you to take out of the worship folder you handed. That's where that card was that Colson talked about. If you haven't filled it out, go ahead and do so. Just give us information as much as you'd like. But we really want a prayer request uh, from you. So if you wouldn't mind filling that and also a praise report if you've got something on there, you can put this in the offering as it comes by. But also uh, there's some announcements in there, but take out this outline that's in there. There's some blanks to fill in. The answers will be on the screen behind me. But I also encourage you at the end of the service uh, to go out into the lobby area. If you go out to these double doors and turn left, and uh, if you're online, it is a, I think it's a click away. Uh, there's a uh, study guide. It's like this. It has some uh, more study questions that you can go to kind of dig deeper into this psalm. But also on the other side, it's all the fill-in-the-blank answers and a lot of the extra verses that I give out. I tend to give out a lot of extra verses because I just anticipate you're going to want to study more as we walk into this together. So I encourage you. With that, but to understand why Psalm 139 is so meaningful to me is to understand a little my background. Now, I've shared some different stories about my background before. My childhood was a little bit rough. I grew up in an alcoholic home, a, a broken home. My folks divorced when I was five, was uh, in fifth grade around, and and though I had a, a great moments uh, in my family, great memories of us camping and exploring, and I got to do 
cool stuff with my family. Like I got to fly in a hot air balloon and I got to fly in a glider. I actually got to fly, to man fly a single engine plane. I didn't land it, uh, but I did get to do some loop-de-loops and things like that. And I lived in Alaska for a while. And actually I did work on a dog sled team uh, one winter. And and I have so many, many more uh, incredible memories from my childhood. But I felt uh, at my childhood like an unwanted appendage at home and a bit of a doofus at school. Um, At home, I really had no space that was my own. As a younger brother, uh, I got the hand-me-downs. I rarely got the first choice, and even if I did choose something, I didn't get to keep it for very long. Uh, I was called uh, stupid. This was at home. I was called stupid, not just by my brother. I was called stupid, dumb, uh, not important. I felt not included, not special. Uh, I was least, and... And, and, and considered last in my home. Uh, and I felt basically invisible. Probably the why I acted out in school. Um, and that's a whole other story. But when, when I came to faith, I, I came to believe in Jesus as my Savior and uh, turned to him. Psalm 139 became to me just an incredible song that I played over and over again. For it revealed some amazing truths of God, truths that I'm, I'm not invisible, I'm not abandoned, I, I'm not a mistake, I'm not aimless, and I'm not without a coach or a guidance because of who God is. It was to me like that cool drink on a hot day, that refreshing meal when you're really hungry. It, 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 I, and I embraced these truths. I, I, I believed them. I held on to them, and I, and I reveled into them, for they were what my, the deep cravings of my soul desired. And I continued to go back to them, because at times those voices in my head are loud. And I don't actually hear audible voices, but those thoughts that come into my head that I'm dumb and stupid and I don't belong and I really am not going to amount to anything. Those are sometimes really loud. And I need to blare and blast that song. For the truths, these truths, the truths of Psalm 139 are verifiable. They are authenticated truths that are not only taught all throughout the Bible, but are re-emphasized by Jesus and validated by his resurrection. And when I hear this song, whoo, my, it charges me up. For the truth of God's interaction with us brings inspiring hope to life. And so I want us to look at these five life-changing truths of God from Psalm 139. A psalm written by King David. As most of the psalms, he penned most of these songs. He was a musician and uh, just seemed to get it and know the lyrics and how to write them down. But these were, were songs were to re- reveal God and inspire. For knowing the truth of God's interaction with us does bring inspiring hope to life. And the first of these truths is God intimately knows us. Uh, take your Bible, and if you would, open to Psalm 139. If you don't have a Bible, our wonderful ushers have a stack of Bibles in their hand. They're walking down the aisle. If you'd like to borrow a Bible, just wave at them. They'd be happy to give you a loaner. Psalms is found almost in the middle of your Bible. Just open it up and then turn to Psalm 139. 
Psalm 139, let me read you first of all, verses 1 to 6, talking about how God intimately knows us. David writes, O Lord, you search me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. If you have a Bible, underline that word word acquainted. We'll come back to that. Even before a word, verse 4, is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before, and you've laid your hand upon me. The image of that is 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 a child holding a little precious butterfly in his hand, laying behind and before and lay his hand on top of me. That's how God has us, holding us that way. Such knowledge, verse 6, is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I cannot attain it. You see, God intimately knows us, and we are not invisible. That word acquainted doesn't just mean, hi, how are you? And you get acquainted. It means intimately acquainted. It means intricately acquainted. It means so acquainted that you know every detail and feature of that person. And God knows us that way. And God is very familiar with us. Knitting us together, we'll learn in a moment, inside of our mom, but he knows every detail and feature of us. It's like like a young mom holding their first child. Oh, she knows that baby inside and out. And, or, or an older couple who've been married for decades. You just look at them and they just smile as they walk hand in hand down at the park. And, or maybe it's those friends that have known each other for years. They know each other. And with one look can see in us what we can't put into words. God knows us like that. The word know is actually used five times in this psalm. And whenever you read the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, when they use a word constantly over and over and over again, it actually means something. It it, it is attached to the theme. Because that theme is important that God knows us. So important, it's it's all over scripture. 1 Samuel 2 verse 3 says, The Lord is a God who knows Psalm 147, verse 5, great is our God. His understanding has no limits. Proverbs 15, 3, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. 1 John 3, verse 20, God knows everything. And then one of my favorites, Psalm 44, verse 21, he knows the secret things of the heart. Even though we may not know sometimes even what we're feeling, God does. He knows every bit and piece of us. Jesus encountered people with this kind of intimate insight. Uh, There's a story that's found in in, in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's found in Matthew chapter 9, verse 20 to 22, Mark chapter 5, verses 25 to 34, and Luke chapter 8, verses 38 to 48. It's a story of of, of a woman who is struggling uh, desperate, uh, trying to find healing, and, and yet no doctor could help her. She had a, a bleeding disorder, and in that, in that uh, issue, uh, she, uh, she was considered unclean uh, in that culture and, and unclean in, by religious standards, and she was to be uh, sequestering herself away from the crowd and, and isolated, and she began to feel invisible, like nobody knew her, cared about her, and she tried doctor after doctor and spent a lot of money and could not get help. And then she heard about the healer coming to town, this Jesus, which people had talked about that had uh, given sight to the blind, had, had uh, uh, caused the, the lame to walk, had, had even clear, cured leprosy and, 
and and raise the dead. This Jesus was coming by, and she thought, I've just got to overcome the barriers and and just just go over there. And and she thought, if I just touch the, the fringe of his cloak, I believe I can be healed. So Jesus is walking along, and, and you can read the story. I encourage you to read, read it in all three Gospels because each one brings out a little bit of, of that, and you can have the uh, verses up on the screen, or it, it's also uh, in that study guide. But, but, but Jesus is pushing through the crowd, and, I, and my picture is, is that as Jesus moved through, people were just kind of reaching out. The disciples were kind of like bodyguards holding people back as Jesus walked through the crowd, and, and then the people are pushing in on him, and, and all of a sudden Jesus says, he stops. Somebody touched me. You can imagine the disciples going, I mean, come on, Jesus, there's a thousand people here. Yeah, sure, I'm tons of people. No, no, no. Somebody touched me. Somebody touched me with, with that faith touch. And I love, I love Matthew's account of this, verse 22 of, of Matthew chapter 9. Jesus turned. Seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly, the woman was made well. See, that's what Jesus does with us. So desperate sometimes, though, so lonely, so isolated. That's it. When we reach out to him, he stops. And he turns. And look at what he does to this woman. He doesn't look at her and with scorn and in shame or, 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 or talks about her life or her condition or, or, or sweeps her aside as nothing. No, he stops. And he turns around and seeing her. See, Jesus sees us. He sees you. He knows you. He knows what you go through and the, the difficulties of your life and the struggles, the ups and downs and the all arounds. And he knows exactly what is going on in your life right this moment. Some of you feel as desperate as that woman. And when we reach out to them, he sees us. When we reach out to Jesus, he sees us. I love what he says. He says, take heart. He encourages her. And then he says something that just blows me away. He says, daughter. What he's saying to everybody in that crowd and to the disciples, this one, this one's connected to me. People had shunned her and pushed her aside. You can almost picture people kind of standing back because they don't want to be touch her because she's unclean. She touches Jesus, and you would think that would make him unclean, but you can't make something that's perfect unclean. So Jesus is there, and he turns to her, and he says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Jesus does the same for us. He affirms us. So, so why would we not want to reach out to him? The truth of God's interaction with us brings inspiring hope to life. Boy, we should embrace that hope. We should reach out in that hope, believe that hope. Are you willing to push through the barriers and reach out for Jesus? He is what the deep cravings of your soul desires. Oh, there's more. <laughs> Woo! This psalm is good stuff. Verse 7, the next change, life-changing truth, God is intentionally present with us. Verse 7 to 12, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, that's it's like a place like hell or a, a distant from God where we go when we die, uh, you're there. If I take the wings 
of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there your hand will leave, it, leave me. Your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me is night. Even darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as day for darkness is as light to you. Oh boy, I don't know about you, but as a kid, I was afraid of the dark. There was monsters under the bed. I know it. Man, when that light would flip on, there'd be immediate. See, with God, he, darkness and light are the same. He's got like night vision, but it's not really night. He sees everything the same. The truth is we are not abandoned. God is intentionally present with us, and we're not abandoned. God is with us. For there is nowhere God is not. Yes, we can't hide. There is no problem, there is no issue, no, no trouble, no condition that happens or even that we bring on ourselves that can remove us far from God, so far from God that he can't find us. Uh, we studied a couple of months ago the Bible book of Romans. And in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, it talks about the love of God, that that is so incredible to us when we come to faith in him, that, that we're so connected that nothing in all of existence can separate us from the love of Christ, which is in love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. See, we come to that place. And, and, and I remember so well, when I came to that place of faith, I realized that I was distant from God because of sin. The Bible is clear with that. All of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all had that separation, just like that woman separated because of the condition that she was in separated. And yet there was something about Jesus that was attractive to me. And so I sought him out and I went forward to him and actually reached out for him. And he turned and he saw me and salvation happened to me. It was an expression of belief and faith that I understand that Jesus took care of my sin and that he could heal me. And he did just like this woman. And he can for you if you come to faith. And if you're not there, I encourage you to keep looking into faith and exploring Jesus. Because he is intentionally present. And the fact that you are even here this morning in this seat listening to this or online listening to this, God's intentionally present wants you to hear that. But see, we can't box God in to our own understanding and belief. 1 Kings 8.27 says, But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you, God. How much less this temple that I have built, speaking of the temple in Jerusalem. But yet, sometimes we view God that. We can't box God in that he only fits our ideals. We need to learn God for God. and Don't try to have him fit our image, but discover who he is. That he is, an in, he is, an in, he is intentionally present with us. See, so much we get this idea that God only likes us if we do the right things. And that's just simply not true. God likes us anyway. There's no sin that can separate you from God. There's nothing. You feel it because we feel guilty. But God is still right there. All he wants us to do is to confess that sin and turn back and enjoy the reality of his presence. And being the Lord is personally present with us. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from your sight, from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give account. And so we are to keep honest with God and take advantage of his insight. That's why I love the story of Zacchaeus. Uh, Zacchaeus was a, a short little guy. It says that in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Read the story. You've got to read it. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was one of those people that people didn't like, didn't trust, hated, because he would actually 
say that you required more taxes than you're paying so he could take some for his own advantage. He exploited people. He used people. He ripped people off. And he was even a Hebrew. He was even part of the Jewish people. He kept ripping them off. And he amassed a great wealth on the expense of other people. People didn't like him. He didn't even like himself. So Jesus was coming along again, one of these movements and and throngs moving forward. And the crowds were gathering. And Zacchaeus was just a little guy. And he was trying to reach over the the, the crowd. And so he tried to, he he couldn't see. So he decided he was going to climb up a tree. What kind of a tree? Sycamore tree. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed upon a, and the Lord he wanted to. Yeah, see some of you know. See, mu- see what music does; it helps you remember stories. But 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 it's here. Here, um, Zacchaeus climbs up this tree, very undignified for somebody of his social status to do. But there was something about Jesus he wanted to to at least look at him. And so Jesus walks by, and he's walking by, and he sees Zacchaeus. And instead of going oh, undignified, he looks up, and he condemns him and tells him of all of his sin and tells him to give back his money. No, it's not what he does. Read the story. What he does, he looks up and he smiles and he says, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm coming to your house for dinner. He said he wanted to have that, that, that intentional, present time with Zacchaeus. And if you read the end of the story, Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. See, Jesus is that personal present with us. And yeah, life is scary. And there's some fearful things even that we do. I love what Isaiah 41.10 says, so do not fear, for I am with you, God says. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is with us. We need not fear. There's a lot to fear in this life, but because when God goes with us, we don't fear. And as we comprehend how personally present the Lord is, it's inspiring. There is no battle we cannot face. There is no issue we cannot go through. There's no struggle that's there that God will not be there with us. See, for the truth of God's interaction with us brings inspiring hope to life. Let's embrace this truth. Let's believe this truth. Let's hold on to this truth and watch life change. Another life-changing truth is in Psalm 139 is, is that God intricately created us. Let's, let's just walk through, let me just read this and then we'll walk through it really quick. For you form my inward parts, verse 13. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully laid, made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well, very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I w- was in this made in the secret place, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. You saw my unformed substance. In, in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. And yet none of them had been. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast are the sum of them. If I could count them, they'd be more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Let me just walk through these verses. Verse 13, we are created by God. And the truth to know here, God intricately created us. We are not a mistake. I don't know how you were conceived. I don't know what was the circumstance under that, but you are not a mistake. We're created by God, not a mistake, body, soul, spirit, handcrafted by God. Hold your head up. 
You are a masterpiece of one of the greatest artists, the greatest artist that ever will exist. I mean, just look at the, at the pain that he throws up on the canvas of a sunset. And the beauty of the stars and the mountains, the, the intricacy of some of the flowers that are out there. It's incredible. You are that gorgeous masterpiece. Created, hand-created by God. Not a mistake. Verse 14, God cares and, and care has been put into your, our creation. We are not average, not ordinary, not generic. We are unique. We are amazing. The words fearfully and wonderfully made are, give off the tone that we are set apart, held special for his special purposes, each one of us. So we're to get on with that. Discover what God's gifting is to us and get out in there and use it for God's glory. Verse 15, we are known by God who is present with us for he is our creation. We're not alone. We're not abandoned. So live confident that we are children of the king. Verse 16, we have plans. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for the Hebrew word there is shalom, which means peace, prosperity, and good things, and not for calamity to give you a hope and a future. God alone decides when we're born and when we die, and so we are to live life to its fullest. Verses 17 and 18, we are precious, valuable, and worth it. Get that, that you are precious, that you are valuable that you are worth it. You're not a throwaway. So take care of yourself. Don't for a second think that you're too fat, too thin, too short, too weak. You're important. You're a rare, jewel, valuable prize by God himself. Look to the person next to you and say, you are important. See, we are important. We are rare, a a wonderful masterpiece handcrafted by God who is right there even when we sleep. Boy, do you believe that? It's true. And the truth of God's interaction with us brings inspiring hope to life. Embrace this truth. Believe this truth. Hold on to it and watch life change. The fourth truth from Psalm 139 is God's intended way for us. Verses 19 and 22. David writes, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain, God. I I do not hate, I I do hate those, I do not hate those who, I do not hate those who hate you. Oh, do I not hate? You know, when you have dyslexia and you're trying to read this with intent, here it is. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who raise you up, rise up against you? I hate them within a complete hatred, and I count them my enemies. You see, God's intended way is for us, and we are not aimless. God has an intended way for us to live, a right way, a path, all explained throughout Scripture, is to love God and to love our neighbors. Not that wicked, self-focused way. God's intended way is for us to experience the fullness of his character. To not to treat him as empty, vain, or having no substance. David, the psalmist, is, is saying, God, I get it. I get your way, and I desire your way to the point that I despise those who despise you. Now, sure, there are times 
we need to put away, uh, be, be push, push away those who hate us. But as Jesus said in Matthew 5, we are the light of the world, here to bring the goodness of God into our homes, into our schools, into our neighborhoods, into our cities, and our workplaces. Wherever we go, we are to do what Matthew 5, 16 says. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Not to huddle all in fear, but to get spiritually healthy, accepting and knowing God's way is right, and get out there and be that example. David saw this, and you can feel the resolve to be on God's side, knowing God's way is right. And David is saying that that he will continue to adjust his actions, his heart, and his thinking to be in line with God. For as for God has an intended way we should follow. And the truth of God's interaction with us brings inspiring hope to life. Embrace this truth. Believe it. Hold on to it and, and watch life change happen. One last life-changing tr- truth. God introspectively guides us. Look at Psalm last two verses of Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the everlasting, in the way everlasting. God introspectively guides us. We're not without coaching. In verse 1, David wrote out, You search me and you know me. God does search us. He, he, he does know us. I mean, that God has scanned. He's inspected. He's done his own MRI. He's checked us over. He's studied every part of us. And now here the plea comes from David asking and saying, God, search me. He also uses another word in there. He says this, and try me. That word try, it's the, it's the uh, word picture of a, of a goldsmith uh, taking that pot of gold and firing it up to it, heating it so the impurities drawn up to the surface and burn off. It's, it's, it's a testing, it's a trial to be able to strengthen and make more pure. It's a prayer to God saying, God, coach me. Bring me through a workout and drills and exercises to draw out the best in me, the best you created to be in me. Yes, you know my thoughts. And actually that word thoughts is not just thinking thoughts. It's, it's actually you know my anxious thoughts, my disquieting thoughts, my disturbing thoughts. God, I'm anxious over life. This issue, this struggle, this marriage, this, this, the future, the, my finances, my friendships, my relationships, my, my inner struggles. God, I struggle with that. Try me. And bring me through a process that refines and brings to brings me to where you want me to be. And yes, if there is any sin in me, bring it out so that I can confess it. But do guide me and coach me. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Would that be your prayer? Why? Or why not? David here acknowledges how God knows him and his potential. So, coach, he says, teach me. I was, um, I've told you this story about uh, a number of years ago, I ran the Long Beach Marathon. And uh, 
I had, uh, I started early in the Long Beach Marathon. You can have an early start. And the reason I did that is because I was afraid I wouldn't make it. In Long Beach Marathon, they actually, you know, start opening back up the streets. And if you're still running, you're done, you know. <laughs> and I was afraid I wouldn't make it over a finish line in time. So I left early with all the walkers. Christy, actually, my wife, was walking the half marathon at that time. And so I was, I was running out. And I, I quickly uh, passed the walkers. And I began to do my method, which is a run-walk method, and began to go along there. And I noticed there was a guy who was running kind of the same or at least at the same kind of cadence I was. He'd run a few minutes, and then he'd walk, and then I would run a few minutes and walk, and then we we kind of were seesawing each other. And we got to the point where we were out in front. It doesn't mean we were in first place. We were just the first runners. And, and um, we didn't quite know where to go because the people hadn't even uh, been there to kind of point us to where to go. And so we came along this one gate, and, and he, he's kind of looking at me, where do I go? And I said, I don't know. And he went this way, and I said, I think it's this way, and he came back over. And so... Um, Foolishly, I asked him, hey, is this your first marathon? And he said, oh, no, no, this is my 24th marathon. And the reason he was going early is because he was getting on a plane that after this marathon to go to Arizona to run another marathon that day. So I'm running along there. So I said, so coach, <laughs> tell me what to do. And he goes, you're obviously using the Galloway method, which is exactly the way I was doing it. It's a run-walk method to, to, to train. And he goes, you're using the Galloway method? I said, yes. He goes, what's your interval? I told him my interval. He goes, okay, don't keep to that. Don't ever stray from that. And he said, at every station, make sure you drink water. And I just thought, wow, it was some really coaching for what I needed at the moment. And it gave me encouragement that I could make it. And he did say that. He, he spoke into me. He said, you know what? You can do this. You've been going through the training. You're ready. You will make it. You will finish the, the race. And I, I was so appreciative of that. But I also think it was God who placed him there <laughs> because God knew I needed uh, to, a little confidence builder. God does that with us when we humbly ask, when we humbly reach out for him. If it, it, why don't you pray this prayer with me um, in Psalm uh, 139, the last few verses? I mean, obviously, pray it if, don't pray it if you don't mean it, but let, let's pray this together. Search me, O God, out loud. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I sure hope that is your prayer. Because truthfully, the voices in our head are loud. And the world around us tends to speak very loudly and their music tends to be deflating and discouraging and devaluing of us. And God wants us to turn up the volume of his song where we are reminded that God intimately knows us. We're not invisible. God intentionally is intentionally present with us. We're not abandoned. God intricately created us. We're not a mistake. God intentionally, God's intentional way for us. God's, God's intentional way is for us. We are not aimless. God introspectively guides us. We are not without coaching. So why not turn up the volume on this song and put it on your own mixtape, in your own playlist? Will you pray with me? Father God, um, I just thank you. I thank you for this psalm and uh, what it truly has been for me. Lord, all of my time Knowing you, uh, every moment of that has been true. I felt it, Lord. I felt that I'm not alone or abandoned. And even though 
those deep feelings within me seem to creep up and those voices in my head tend to pull me one way. I, I reminded and bring, brought back to you that uh, you made me. You created me. You want me to be connected with you. You stop and you turn and you look to me and say those inclusive words that I am one of yours. That is amazing, God. That the God of the universe would care. And you do. <laughs> and I am just personally so thankful for that, God. It does inspire me. And it makes me want to live every day as a thank you to you. To give you the honor and the glory and the praise that's due your name. And to do the, the good works that you each to sense that and to feel that and to let it resonate within our soul. Thank you, Father, for the truth of your word. Thank you, Jesus, for that reality that you verify all of this through your life and resurrection. We pray this, Jesus, because of you.